want to sort of introduce yourself and your background, I'll let you do it rather than rather than me doing a poor job. <laughs> sure. Um, so, do you want to say my name? Can do, yeah. It'll be on the title. It'll be on the title, but okay. Um, <laughs> weird. I'm gonna say hi, hi. I don't know what's the best way of going about it. I don't know, whenever I've done it, so they normally just go into like conversations and say, hi, Ollie, you're right, mate, blah, 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 blah. But I'll just, I'll just chat and you can edit. <laughs> um, hi, yeah, so my, my name's Oliver Whiteman. Um, I'm a accredited performance nutritionist based in uh, East Anglia at the moment. So I've got a master's in sport and exercise nutrition and I sit on the sport and exercise nutrition register. Um, a bit about my background, um, bit of a keen hockey player, recently got into cycling, um, used to absolutely love cricket as well, um, but now I find myself um, being a performance nutritionist in professional football with professional jockeys um, and some university scholars as well. So um, with regards to this podcast, I've had a little bit of experience working with that one club um, for a couple of years as well, supporting them. Um, and yeah, basically since probably about two years ago, I started my own business, which is called OW Nutrition. Um, mainly just started out with sort of an Instagram to trying to support athletes um, and it's kind of grown into my own consultancy. Um, and the aim is obviously just looking to educate and empower as many athletes as I can and making the right decisions with nutrition um, and hopefully just guiding them in the right direction because it's a very overwhelming topic. Um, a lot of people have a lot of questions with it. A lot of people think they're experts mm-hmm. um, just because they eat as well. Um, <laughs> So hopefully just, yeah, pointing people in the right direction, um, trying to get the basics right as well, which is, well, similar to SNC, it's sometimes nutrition isn't particularly always exciting. Um, it's about doing the basic things right and consistently as well, repeating those. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like you said there, it is an overwhelming topic and I think social media is good for a lot of things, but it's bad for probably even more. And one of those things I think is nutrition. Um in the fit in the in particular strength and conditioning that you get a lot of people that probably spout a lot of shit and i feel for you guys who are you know you've you've spent your time educating yourselves through masters and getting yourself registered in terms of nutrition and then any tom dick and harry comes up with some some bullshit so that's why i basically wanted to get you on um obviously your knowledge is is 10 times better than mine so I think this is going to help a lot of people. So the first question I kind of wanted to talk about was um, a question that I get a lot from people on Instagram or Facebook and Twitter is what basically day-to-day nutrition needs to look like for a rugby player and specifically maybe more around a training day versus a match day. Sure. Um, so what you'll, you'll find is a lot of nutrition say, obviously, it depends. Um, <laughs> so it's the easiest way of getting out of any question. Um yeah, obviously everyone is completely different, um, loads of different sizes, um, strengths, uh, all sorts going on in day-to-day lives with, with individuals. So yeah, whilst I'll offer some sort of generic guidance, you've got to remember that what might be right for some people isn't necessarily right for other um, individuals as well. So the, the key principle is understanding what, what is your goal for that day. So obviously training, they're not always performing at the highest intensities, there's different more skill-based sessions and stuff like that. So You've got to recognize what your demands are for that day. And once you work that out, then you need to think about how to structure your nutrition. So, for example, maybe yeah, it's pre-season. Uh, you've got a really, really high training load that week. Um, the intensity is really high. You may be a bit unfit as well. Um, so basically, a lot of the emphasis is going to be on your carbohydrate intake particularly. So obviously, that is, that is how we prime for performance, to reach those highest gears, to get 
yeah, the, the performance that we want, we need to be having enough carbohydrate in your system. Um, so if you, if you were to break down a day, I guess, um, you'd be looking at making sure you've got carbohydrate in every single meal. Um, it's probably one of the easiest ways of looking at it. Um, breakfast, yeah, just make sure you, you've got several slices of toast if you're having sort of eggs on toast, for example. If you're having a smoothie, put some oats in there, anything like that. If you're having porridge, it's great. Um, make sure you've got it with lunch as well. Obviously, it completely depends on what time of the day they're working out as well or the training. Um, so there's a lot, of, a lot of variables that can come into that. But the main emphasis is just make sure you're thinking about your carbohydrate intake. So don't restrict your carbohydrate intake necessarily. Um, obviously, if, that's, if it's more of a skill session, um, that's when you can reduce your carbohydrate intake a little bit. So when you're performing skills, uh, it's not as intense. Um, it probably won't be for as long either. Um, so we don't need to maintain that performance throughout that session necessarily it just needs to be for a short period um you'll have enough carbohydrate generally from your day-to-day -day kind of uh, meals you don't necessarily have to push get more carbohydrate into your system um and I, I think that's probably the easiest way of doing it so it's what we call basically fueling for the work required um and what i generally get quite a lot of my athletes to do is to categorize their week into low medium and high um, so high yeah, being, as I say, those really high intensity sessions, um, really, really demanding, and you want to be in the top of your game to push yourself to get fitter and stronger. Medium could be, yeah, more of those kind of skill-based sessions, maybe a hard S&C session. And then low, we're looking at active recovery um, or complete rest days. Um, and as I say, that your nutrition should look different on each, each day, basically, and your carbohydrate should correlate with the intensity for that day. So low days, yeah, lower carbohydrate, medium days sort of a moderate amount and then higher going above and beyond getting some extra snacks in there making sure each meal has probably got a good quantity of carbohydrate in there um so that's yeah as quickly as i could i guess sort of training day nutrition in a really basic sense um when it comes to match day obviously we want performance so we, we don't need to necessarily be worrying too much about um body composition on these days so it's quite a big worry that during the season, I mean, we could have a whole chat about body composition. I'm, I'm sure it will probably come up, but we want to make sure again that we're fueled well. We've got the, um, enough energy to yeah put out our highest um, performance in a game. So the hard work quite often comes the day before, and a lot of people forget that. Um, and that if you get 24 hours right before game, um, you're putting yourself in the best position to go out and perform on on your match day. And if anyone ever suffers from uh, poor appetite with some nerves or yeah just generally struggle to eat on, on match day um then actually if you do the right things the day before you, yeah you're putting yourself in a better position there to actually cope with that and you can still get enough energy hopefully or a good amount of energy um from the day before as well so yeah again similar to what i was saying with training day just make sure every single meal has got a good source of carbohydrate and maybe increase it just slightly so some people would say call this carbohydrate loading but you don't necessarily need to do that you just need to think about fueling up the tank, I guess, filling the tank up. Um, if, for example, you had um, 40 grams of oats normally on, on a kind of regular day, just looking to maybe double that, maybe get up to 80 or maybe a little bit less, even 60 grams of oats. Um, if you have two slices of toast with eggs, just go up to three, four slices. It doesn't have to be groundbreaking. It doesn't have to be complicated at all. Just have to get that quantity of carbohydrate up a little bit more as well. Um, so you want to tick all the boxes with breakfast, lunch, dinner, make sure you've got carbohydrate with them. So, yeah, whether it's lunchtime, sort of wrap sandwiches, rice, dinner time, might be more sort of potatoes, pasta. Um, and the key thing is having a few carbohydrate snacks 
in between meals. Um, there's probably a bit of a difference there between the normal day. Um, so things like malt loaf are, are great. Um, juices, sort of orange juice, apple juice, um, cereal bars, anything like that, just to pick at um, and, and to increase that carbohydrate intake for that day. Um, you don't have to, what, what we quite often see is people have one massive meal uh, kind of the night before the game and feel quite lethargic, sit quite heavy. Um, and actually, you can just spread that out over the day and you'd feel a lot better for it. You'd probably get more carbohydrate in um, and that will help you on the match day as well. Um, when it comes to actual match day, then um, the top tip would be play around with it in pre-season, kind of work out what works for you um, because everyone's a little bit different. Everyone's got different food preferences. Um, the main thing is, again, carbohydrate option um, with breakfast. So whether that's oats, um, toast, pancakes, even something like banana pancakes, if you want to keep it a little bit interesting, is great. We want a little bit of protein with, with your breakfast. It will help keep you satiated. So we don't want to get hungry when we're playing. Um, so a little bit of protein for, for breakfast. It will also help a little bit of muscle recovery and repair from the week. Um, and then as you get closer to the game, you want a big pre-match meal. Um, and again, I'm sounding like a broken record, but carbohydrate is obviously the number yeah. one. Um, and we want something like very, very simple white white pasta, maybe a really basic tomato sauce with, with a little bit of protein again. So maybe just a little bit of chicken, a little bit of tuna, anything like that. And again, it doesn't have to be complicated. It's just about getting the quantities right, if anything, um, and making sure it sits okay in the stomach. So what often happens, or sometimes what we see is people um, trying to eat a really healthy meal, basically, before game. Um, and whilst that is like promoted any other time of the week, actually that the fiber content and maybe the fat content of that meal is so high because we're trying to tick all the health boxes that actually your performance becomes compromised because it's really hard to digest basically and you can get gut symptoms. Uh, the absorption of your carbohydrate will be a little bit lower um, because you've got other, other nutrients in there which need to go through the digestive system as well. Um, so actually, yeah, basic is almost better sometimes with that pre, pre-match meal. Um, and then you want to follow that up about 60 minutes before kickoff. Just have another little snack. Um, anything from, again, like another cereal bar. Um, yeah, Jaffa cakes is always a good one, which they can have. It's quite easy. Um, caffeine, I mean, we're probably going to talk about supplements in a minute, but caffeine could be something to play around with about 60 minutes before. Um, and then you're into the game, really. Um, and it's all, I mean, halftime is another really good opportunity to get some more fuel in. Um, and that, the whole idea is that I'd rather have someone almost overfueling um, than underfueling because, yeah, at least you'll have that fuel there available. But if you're not eating enough on game day, then that's going to compromise your performance. Whereas, even if you maybe don't play for as long as you want or the game isn't as intense as you might expect, you've still got that fuel there which you can use for that performance. Spot on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's why we got you on. No, mate, that was great. Um, so, obviously, you touched on body composition there, um, which leads me quite well into my next question um especially in the in rugby like i say you know loads of different sizes depending on positions and roles etc like that and one of the areas that um a lot of athletes try and improve is obviously gaining size and muscle mass um obviously from a strength and conditioning point of view it's important but the nutritional side of things is is just as, as important if not well as you'll probably go on to say probably even a little bit more important. So it'd be good to get your thoughts on nutrition to support some, some hypertrophy work, um, et cetera. Sure. So uh, hypertrophy and sort of muscle gain will, will look pretty consistent for everyone, actually. Um, it, it's all about, obviously, protein intake. The total amount over the day is, 
is very, very important. One of the easiest ways to kind of tick that box is if anyone ever kind of breaks down the nutrition, looks at their macros, for example, I mean, two grams per kilogram of body weight is, is a very, very good starting point. Um, and then it will look different for different individuals depending on what their goal is. But one of the a good points probably take away for people who listen to this podcast is looking at their protein distribution throughout the day as well. So what, what we often see is um, breakfast and lunch have low to moderate amounts of protein intake, breakfast probably even less. And then their evening meal, they might have a huge bolus hit of, of protein, sort of 60, 70, 80 grams plus. Um, and basically, you're more, it's more effective for your muscle growth to split that into two meals and to distribute each protein serving by three, four hours roughly um, each time. So, so what it does is when you eat, say, a chicken breast, you, you stimulate your, your MPS, your muscle protein synthesis, for about three to four hours, and then it drops down into something called muscle protein breakdown. And we just want to keep, obviously, as much time as possible in the MPS state. Um, so that just means, yeah, breaking up these meals sometimes and distributing that intake over the day rather than just having a lot of your protein in the evening period um so as i say that breakfast is, is quite often a big one um and you're missing out on a huge period there because if you haven't had anything to eat since dinner the night before and you're not having any protein till lunchtime or like a good source of protein i mean that's over 12 14 hours where you, you haven't stimulated any muscle growth and repair so if you're doing the hard work which this is how i always sell nutrition you're you're, you're going into the gym you're, you're working hard you're trying to get into that hypertrophy state and you've got that stimulus which is the main thing but if you're not eating the right things then you're missing out on a lot of results there and you, the whole process is just going to be a lot lot harder um but that, that's kind of hypertrophy i think from body composition point of view it, it comes down to obviously like mass lean mass and things like that and it, it's difficult you've got to people need to know what their ideal body composition is and that's very very difficult to to work out and i think having open discussions with coaches is kind of the best way to find out what that is um but there's, there's a lot of emphasis obviously on, on lean mass um and, and staying lean necessarily but when it, when it does come to rugby sometimes mass general mass is more important than just staying lean all the time um obviously it's kind of position specific so obviously we've got fronts and backs and fronts is very very different but um at the end of the day yeah don't always get so overly concerned about lean mass particularly if you're in the, in the, uh, the fronts because at the end of the day, we want to be carrying more masses that will help you to perform better. Yeah, um, you got any kind of, yeah I think if you could bounce some ideas yeah, off. Um, yeah, just my probably question would go towards, so you talk about obviously your protein intake throughout the day and splitting your, mus- uh, your meals up. Um, what's your opinions on like a calorie point of view in terms of what um, type of intake you want to be getting, oh, like your surplus, for example, um, for muscle okay, mass? Okay, yeah. Yeah. Um, so there's the whole eat to get big, you've got to eat big type thing and <laughs> that, that mentality. Don't, so to, to, to put on muscle, you, you don't need to be in a massive calorie surplus. It's, it will depend on, on your training um, status. So if, you, if it's your first year of lifting weights, you get, you're going to put on muscle so quickly, whereas obviously most rugby players, it will be there. Yeah, they've been lifting weights for a long, long time. So actually their muscle growth would be quite slow and you don't need a big surplus at all. It would be probably 100 to 200 calories a, a day tops, really. Um, but again, it comes down to the, the, the mass thing, and that if you want to put on more mass and more weight, then a calorie surplus of small 500, 600 calories, um, yeah, per per day is going to get you, you your results quicker, and you'll see that quicker. I, I think where people um, sometimes kind of give up is when they're steadily trying to gain muscle mass and don't necessarily see the results very quickly 
they think they're not necessarily eating enough and they try and eat more and more and more, but that's not necessarily the case. It's just the fact that building muscle is quite a slow process. Yeah. Um, so it's just a matter of, yeah, staying patient and consistent and actually how are we even measuring the, the growth in muscle mass? It's, it's so difficult to measure in anyone in research will kind of, unless obviously you've got like facilities, um, it's very difficult to measure. So yeah, there's, there's a lot of, I don't know, a lot of ums and ahs there really. Yeah. Yeah. I think staying on this, on this muscle mass subject, um, before we move on to strength and power, I think it'd be good to speak about supplements now to support, support muscle mass and your opinions on the use of supplements for that goal. Sure. So, I mean, in a, in a kind of classic nutritionist way, supplements are the cherry on the cake. Um, so people often do go to kind of gainers quite quickly and you don't necessarily need to because you can make a perfectly adequate sort of smoothie with peanut butter and avocado and things like that and get way more calories and nutrients than sort of a gainer shake, for example. Um, but supplements do play a role. They, they can make things very convenient. Um, they can improve performance as well, some, some of them at least. But, uh, I mean, there aren't many that really do work. I've got loads of research behind them, but they're only a handful. Um, I guess if someone, so the whey protein, for example, is effective. Um, if you can't get a meal in or you're in a rush or if you're looking to go through a fat loss phase or something like that, they're, they're very, very effective. So they're great. Um, otherwise, I'd generally say for, for kind of gaining muscle, the only other one I'd say is creatine. Um, yeah. It just maximizes everything you're doing in the gym, basically. Um, the way I kind of tell tell people about it is if it, if it helps you to get one more rep out over four weeks, five weeks, if that's one more rep every time you're doing that set, then that's going to add up to a lot really in, in three, four weeks time, isn't it? And you don't know how much muscle mass that might lead to. Um, so yeah, it's kind of marginal. You're not, you're not going to suddenly balloon out and you're not suddenly going to be able to lift loads, but if it does help you get that extra rep, then that can go quite a long, long way over a long period of time. Staying on creatine, um, like I said, I will go off on a tangent at times. Um, what's your opinions on loading strategies for creatine? Um, yeah, so you have got two options, really. Um, you've kind of got obviously more aggressive and then sort of a less aggressive. So, okay, uh, a chronic and acute basically is what some people call it. So basically you want to be aiming, if, you, if you're going for the acute phase, you want to be aiming for about 20 grams per day. Most people split that into four times five gram servings uh, over the day. Um, timing of it doesn't matter so much. It's a little bit of research to say post, like in your post-gym um, shake or something is, is a good time to do it, but it's very, very marginal. Um, personally, I actually always recommend just the, the slow dose, um, mainly because from an adherence and compliance point of view, remembering to have creatine four times a day is can be quite difficult. And yeah. it's easier just to have one five-gram serving every day for however long you want to stay on your creatine supplement for. It's just easy. You get into a nice habit with it. You'll probably have it in the morning. Um, and it's just easier to remember uh, rather than just going through this kind of ag aggressive um, acute phase. And you get to the same point. You, um, you get the saturation in muscles, which is what you want. But it just happens at a bit of a slower rate. So as long as you're a bit proactive about it is when you want to be peaking, that's absolutely fine. Um, I would just say as well, it needs to be creatine monohydrate, if anyone obviously is interested in that. Because there are a few other um, types of creatine, but monohydrate is, is the most effective one. Is there a significant difference between the two in terms of what the outcome will be, if that makes sense? I don't know the best way of wording it. So what's the difference between sort of creatine and the, the monohydrate version? 
Um, so, but to be fair, I, I can't remember all the names of the other ones. It's very, it's very significant. Yeah. Um, in that I only ever promote, and all nutritionists never ever promote, uh, creatine monohydrate. Um, it's yeah, it's the most effective. I think I, I can't remember the science completely, so I'm not even going to try and delve into it. Yeah. <laughs> I remember um, just speak, uh, talking about the ease part of uh, of loading versus slow loading. I used to live with a guy who um, went through a pretty. It was it would have been a twenty gram a day load for five days. I can get, remember getting to the point where he'd forget, so he'd um he'd like shot it into his mouth. It's just like and it was all bitty in his mouth. It's disgusting. Um, I mean, I've actually done the same when I was at university as well. Yeah, <laughs> but like it was a, a rite of passage, really. Well, yeah, let's not talk about what we did at <laughs> university. <laughs> um, moving on to sort of then the the more strength and power side of things. So obviously you've got maybe those guys who are looking for a more muscle mass type of goal, but then we've got more than plenty of athletes who really focus on the strength and power development so um what should they, what way should they attack basically the nutrition for for strength and power development uh it shouldn't look look too different i guess um you'd obviously want to be weight and that kind of um, power to weight ratio i guess will come into it a little bit more um when you're not just looking for that outright mass and you you are looking to say for strength and power um so if you are looking to be a little bit leaner, that's when you probably want to be a little bit smarter about your carbohydrate intake. And as I say, actually really change the intakes over the day. So the low, medium, high again. Um, it's a really good way of, first of all, ensuring that you've got the performance on those high days. But actually it helps to drop your calories down and maintain a, a good body composition as well by having those low days. Um, but otherwise, it's pretty much exactly the same principles in that you want that protein distribution. You want adequate amounts um, over the total of the day. Um, Make sure you've got the stimulus in the gym, which which they should do. Um, Recovery-wise, um, pretty pretty much exactly the same. And that as long as you've got that protein distribution, that's going to help your muscle repair and your growth. Um, I wouldn't say there's too much that necessarily stands out from like a nutrition point of view. Um, creatine again will be beneficial for that. So there's there's loads of research into how it can improve kind of repeated sprints. Um, so obviously ma- maintaining that power output it could be really really useful for that. Um, but yeah, there's nothing immediately where I say, oh, you've definitely got to follow this. And uh, that's probably pretty pretty similar for nutrition across the board, really. It does look quite similar for, for a lot of individuals, but just small tweaks. Just I don't, uh, just picking up off a word you said there, um, I don't, you might not even have said it, but it's coming to my mind. Um, and this might be something that isn't even really a thing, but for athletes that are injured, um, is there any type of considerations that they should have? <laughs> yeah, you can... To, you can... Yeah. You could do yeah, a whole podcast on this. It's, oh, really? It's huge. Yeah. Um, so uh, when I work with jockeys that I work with, um, they are quite often have big faults. So we've got really kind of robust um, injury rehab um, protocol uh, there. So, I mean, to keep it really, really simple, first thing first is that um, you don't want to be losing um, weight whilst you're injured, particularly, I mean, if it's a relatively severe injury and you're immobilized um, or you're on crutches or anything like that, basically... Um, if you if you're conscious about your weight so athletes what we quite often see is that uh, they want to keep a good body composition and then they, they get injured and they're worried that they're going to put on those weight because they carry on eating um and then they actively try to reduce their calorie intake but basically all that does is really significantly slow down the healing process um and actually sometimes calorie intakes can be very very similar when they're injured to when they're playing because things like going on crutches and, and the extra efforts they have to make when they're injured can actually amount to quite a lot of calories so first thing first is just make sure that you're eating eating enough and 
again, that protein throughout the day is, is really going to help to so that distribution. Um, depending on what the injury is, there's, there's a few supplements and a few different foods out there which you could be focusing on. So if it's, sort of a, if it's a bone injury, uh, we're looking at things like calcium intake. Um, collagen intake will really help um, connective tissue. So if anyone's got any ligament or tendon damage, um, taking collagen um, sort of 60 minutes before a weight-bearing activity. So anything like just some gentle exercise in the gym can be really, really good. Um, and then you're looking at things like vitamin D can help the absorption of the calcium. So again, if you've got a bone injury there, that's really, really important. Um, but yeah, main thing is just real big focus on the energy intake, actually, making sure that you get that right. And, and athletes don't panic when they are injured because it's better off actually getting back from your injury quicker and then focusing on maybe your body composition and going yeah. through a fat loss phase rather than slowing your whole process down uh, and not eating enough. And yeah, nobody wins from that situation, really. Yeah. Yeah, it just pops into bed then. It's just something I've never really read into or... So I think a lot because a lot of people will uh, will get something from that. Moving on, this might. I think well, I feel like I'm just rattling this off to you. You're just coming out of all these nuggets, and I'm just like asking a, asking a question here and there. Uh, yeah. Um. Again, just something else that's coming to my head, and um, I don't know what your opinions on it. So kind of, there's always going to be fads in the fitness industry, strength and conditioning. You, you you get quite a lot, and I think again. Go back to you guys on the nutrition side of things, you get even more in terms of fads. We know how prevalent they are in the weight loss industry. Um, but is there any in the performance industry that you see that you think the athlete should be wary of? Um, uh, yeah, yeah, there definitely is. You'll be amazed at how many elite athletes obviously see social media and still think that this is yeah that this is going to make them the next whatever really is going to take their performance to the next level and the next and they see a fad diet um probably the first one would be a low carb diet so obviously people think from a body comp point of view it's, it's brilliant it, yeah they think it magically makes them lose weight um doesn't at all um it's all, it's all about energy balance without getting into too much there but at the end of the day, you're compromising your performance because you need carbohydrates to be able to get into those those highest gears and to repeatedly put out those sprints and those efforts. And particularly in rugby, you've got all these collisions. You've got a lot of high energy impact stuff going on. Um, being low carb is, is, is not sensible, basically. Um, and what I've seen, in, particularly in football as well, there's a lot of emphasis on aesthetics. So they always like, oh, I want to get lean. I want to get shredded. And therefore, they try and cut out carbohydrate but they have no idea what impact that's having on their performance. So that's definitely one. Um, I think it was, was it January this year? I can't remember when it came out, but there was one documentary on Netflix that basically ruined my job for about a month. <laughs> um, so it's, I think being plant-based is, is a really, really good oh, yeah. what was it called thing now? to do. Game changers. That's the I, don't one. Want, I don't want to give it the airtime. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a really bad documentary from a scientific point of view, yeah. but it does promote some good messages and that we getting plants into your diet is a really, really good thing. Um, but being plant exclusive comes with some nutritional challenges. So you can't overcome those challenges, but you probably need some guidance if, if you're just suddenly changing to a, to a vegan or vegetarian diet. Um, and that is sort of protein intake needs to be changed a little bit. The types of protein needs to be changed a little bit. Um, and that's absolutely fine. You, you can do that. You just need to make sure you're going about it in the right way. And that often comes from support of a nutritionist. But people suddenly thought that obviously going vegan was suddenly going to make them yeah. feel 10 times better and perform 10 times better. And that's not necessarily the case. If you do it correctly, yeah, in the right manner, that might end up in performance gains. And 
as I said, there is something to be said for eating lots of plants. I think that's really positive. But yeah, that documentary was was tough. <laughs> yeah, just on the documentary, just I remember I watched 20 minutes of it and then turned it off. Um, and I can remember I wrote loads of tweets and then I've literally just got my phone out and got them up. Because in the first 20 minutes, I remember, let me just go. So it starts off the reference to the gladiators eating a plant-based diet in relation to their superior athleticism. Um which I didn't get. And then there's also a weird video of a dad interviewing a six-year-old about what food he eats, and it's the weirdest thing I've ever seen. And he's like, what food do you eat? And the kid's like, meat. And what was the other one? Oh, yeah, the reference to um, Nate Diaz beating Conor McGregor and how then Conor McGregor went to a plant-based diet and beat him. And they're like, well, the second time around, he beat him, and he was a vegan. So, yeah, ridiculous. Um, It was, it was. Um, but other other fads, I can't really think of any. Is there any that you think? The only one that I've any? seen a bit in the rugby community, especially recently, and it's something that I've seen a lot in lockdown, um, is fasting, intermittent fasting. I don't know what your opinions are on that because I've seen it a lot recently. Um, yeah, so again, like all things, not necessarily magical, um, yeah. but it can be a useful tool. Um so particularly from a weight management point of view, obviously pushing your breakfast back and, and creating a, an eating window as such can be really useful because it's a set of rules essentially, isn't it? And you, yeah. you save calories from the breakfast and therefore that reduces your energy intake and therefore you might lose weight. Um, so anyone who is going through a fat loss phase, that could be great. All I'd say is just be obviously very careful the days that you're doing it, particularly for an elite athlete. If you've got a three-hour pitch session that day, I think skipping breakfast probably isn't a very smart idea. You're not going to be able to perform. But again, if you're resting on, the, on those low days, so again, think about that low, medium, high. Um, yeah, missing your breakfast can be can be a good option. Um, but it doesn't necessarily, as I say, it doesn't necessarily cause magical results. It's just quite simple, but it can be quite effective if used correctly. Yeah. Uh, and then something else has just randomly popped into my head because I feel like it can't be a podcast, a, a podcast within the rugby, rugby sector in terms of nutrition and performance if we didn't talk about alcohol. Um, it's it's in the game, um, at all levels. So, what's your opinions on well, what what is the consensus on alcohol in terms of performance, mainly immediately post performance? Yeah, um, there's a really nice study. Uh, I wish I could rattle off authors, but I just can't. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but they, they looked at basically the impacts of um, mu- muscle growth after a binge episode of drinking. Um, I think it worked out, it was per like body weight, but it averaged around 12 single vodka lemonades, I think. Um, I don't think it was doubles, but yeah. And basically, um, it gave one half kind of a protein, whey protein supplement, and the other half no, no supplement. Um, and then there was a control as well. So, and then it basically looks at the differences uh, in percent basically on kind of your muscle protein synthesis. And again, I can't remember the precise figures, but it was something like um, having that amount of alcohol and a whey protein supplement kind of reduced muscle growth and repair by, I want to say like 20, 15, 20%. Um, and then if you didn't have any sort of whey protein or anything, it was like a, a good 40% or something like that reduction in your, in your MPS. So yeah. Um, <laughs> what I would often say is pick and choose the right times. Um, if you've got a game in, in two days or three days and you're, and you're going out and getting boozy, that probably isn't the smartest idea. But if you've got quite a long rest and it may, maybe it is a big game, um, then I'm all for kind of staying a little bit relaxed about it and athletes enjoying themselves because at the end of the day, you'll get more buy-in and they are humans and they want to enjoy themselves. Um, 
but definitely not like so like a pre-season uh, phase you definitely don't really want to be drinking much alcohol around there because first of all muscle soreness will be really high you're, you're just blunting those adaptations and you're not gonna be able to perform very well either um and i mean alcohol also comes hand in hand with pretty poor food choices so yeah <laughs> um i mean weight gain can be pretty easy when, when you're drinking so it, it all depends where you are in the season what your goals are um yeah and then you've got to kind of weigh up when when's the best time to maybe include some alcohol um that's all relevant to kind of individuals really that's players everywhere just saying that you've given them the uh the go ahead to have a drink oh yeah that's my career no you've just become the uh the rugby's favorite nutritionist no, Mate, no drinks ever, ever, ever. <laughs> that was great i normally wrap it up with uh asking players where they see the career rugby career in sort of 10 year time um don't have one <laughs> well yeah so I, was, I thought probably best to wrap up with you where people can find you best places yeah, for people yeah. to find well, you I thought you were going to ask about my cycling career but um... As I, mate I've just downloaded Strava so I might uh... it's basically basically halfway there I should buy now well that's it <laughs> um, where can they find me so um, I've got a website which is just www.ownutrition.co.uk uh, I've got Twitter which is at Whiteman Oliver I think um, but I'm most active probably on Instagram although probably not so much recently, but that's at OWNutrition underscore UK. Um, but I mean, if you go on my website, you can contact me to like um, drop me a message or an email on there. Um, so yeah, if any, I would really encourage it. If anyone, particularly any of your clients, got any questions, just honestly get in touch because the more we can help individuals is just means that they're not getting their information from someone else potentially who could be um, harmful, in fact. So um, yeah, feel free to kind of get in, get in contact. Definitely. Well, I appreciate your time. Thank you very much. No problem. Cheers. Good man.